Tonight, we are talking about abortion, the Alito leak, and of course, the Misinformation Governance Board. Or can you believe what we say at all? Find out in a few minutes. Welcome to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable, where every other week we challenge the status quo and give you the libertarian Christian analysis of what's happening in your world. Welcome to Good News, Bad News. This is a project of the Libertarian Christian Institute. With me tonight, I'm Dr. Norman Horn, and I have with me tonight Miss Carrie Baldwin, uh, the lovely, the wonderful, the thinker, the extraordinaire. We have Matthew Bellis with us as well, and Aaron Sepulveda. I can never get it right. Sorry, hey, Aaron. You always get it right. You always get it right. <laughs> I always get it right. No, I don't. But Except one way or another, we're all here tonight to talk about a couple of particularly pertinent topics from a Christian libertarian point of view. Uh, we hope that you enjoy this, and if you will, please make sure you like and subscribe and give us a good rating if you're listening to this on a podcast, on your favorite pod-catching apparatus, apparati, whatever. Uh, but we are excited to be here tonight to talk about probably some, some pretty wild stuff that happened literally within days of recording our last episode. We do this every other week wild. to try and catch a couple of the most important things. Within, what was it, probably about 24 hours of when Less we recorded our last one. Yeah. Uh, when we were talking primarily about the uh, the Elon Musk purchase of Twitter, the incoming, or at least the terms reached. We don't know if it's absolutely going to happen, but it's on the way, potentially. Uh, we had the announcement of a new government organization. Or oh, finally. Maybe, yeah, finally. Maybe, 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 perhaps maybe it's not a, entirely fair to call it a new organization because it has housed under the DHS. And it's a smaller thing, but you never know. These things are like, you know, malignant tumor growths. You let it start <laughs> off and it'll grow into something absolutely horrible. And that is, with no further ado, the Misinformation Government Board. And no, that is not, you know, some lady called information. It is the Misinformation <laughs> Government Board uh, meant to try and make sure that what is being talked about online is true or something like that golly guys you would think that you know they they could have uh, perhaps had even a slightly better you know marketing rollout to this but it looks like it was you know constructed by the marketing team of like enron or something uh because like okay within days of twitter being an announcing the terms with elon and calling it <laughs> the misinformation governance board and putting in charge of it a woman who probably looks like she could be, you know, in line for the next evil head of Hogwarts. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, well, she's kind of asked for it, <laughs> uh, Miss Jankowitz. Um, but what do you guys think about this? This is pretty. This is pretty nuts. I, I, I can I can make fun of it all I like because it is just almost hilarious and how dumb it all is. Uh, but what do you, what do you, uh, what do you, what do you think of it all? Well, you know, we've talked about dystopian novels on here before <laughs> <laughs> and how, you know, things like 1984 aren't supposed to be an instruction manual. And yet, yet it seems like that's they where they're trying. taking their cues from. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's like, well, it was really? instantly getting called like mini truth and stuff like that. Right. You, well, gosh, you would think 
that they wouldn't be so obvious. Like yeah. if you're going to do this, why are you going to like virtually copy a, a novel that was on the high school reading list for decades? Like, why would you do that? Yeah. Well, I wish you all a double good plus day. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they might as well have just called it like, you know, Project Animal Farm or something like that. And, and, <laughs> and just, and just done away with, with any, any less obscurity. <laughs> right. That's it. I don't know. At this point, it's like, really, guys, I've just, I, I, I remember when they established the Department of Homeland Security and I was like, yeah. oh, like it, it yeah. was, it was both. That was, that was controversial at the time. It was controversial. But it was also like homeland. there was this there was this sense of of like ominous. Okay, this is this yeah. is a, this is a step up. But it's almost like I hear I hear about this disinformation board or whatever it's called, and I'm like, really? Okay, whatever. Yeah. Just move along. Like <laughs> move along, <come> on, <laughs> dude. Yeah. yeah, it's like uh, I don't know. It's it's. It's crazy. I, I don't even know, like, okay, they're going to have this board, but what are they really going to do? Is it, you know, they're going to start policing the internet? Like, how does that, how does it work? Yeah, they, they, and this just goes to show like, you know, again, just how incompetent they can be in all of it. You know, is it, is it conceivable that there might be a, a you know, a measure of some, like, like, let's just try to give, can we try to couch what they are trying to do in the best conceivable way possible? This is a good way of, of, you know, kind of on a meta level here, if you want to talk about how to make good arguments, sometimes the, the good thing to do is to try and how can you come up with the best possible argument for the other side so that you can cr crush it. But the fact I, is, we don't even know what that is. We have no I, way of doing it. I don't even know uh, how they could, because because yeah. one thing that did happen uh, alongside of this, you know, announcement of this board, I don't know with how many within how many days this happened, but Bill Gates was quoted as saying that, oh, um, you know, this this stuff with with COVID, we didn't realize that it that it wasn't such a bad, but I'm not quoting him correctly, you know, yeah. or exactly but he's like Don't yeah we didn't <laughs> we didn't realize that it was really just kind of like the flu but a little different um that's a that's a pretty close paraphrase and it's like okay but at the very beginning of the pandemic you had medical professionals saying hey i think we're blowing this out of pr proportion this mm -hmm. doesn't look like it's any worse than the flu and those medical professionals were um, being threatened with taking their licenses away. Um, they yeah. were being shut down on the internet. And now Bill Gates is like, oh yeah, it was basically the flu. And so, and also we have a disinformation uh, board. Uh, yeah, I think so that- Really? Come on. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the what kind of comes to mind to me is that the reason why this, like you could conceivably like, take some of the things potentially that they might have said uh you know if you look at uh, they did it again the marketing on this that they put forward to try and roll this out was just like it, it looks like that you know bernie madoff you know gave them the pitch for it or something uh brother but, sister brother sister hold on a second i just got this message in from the oh. governance misinformation board uh -oh. um choco rations up 20 percent. so enjoy your choco rations well, thank you uh, thank you tomorrow I Tomorrow. I pray I will I will go to my local you know bread shop. Double, have a double plus good day. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 thanks. I'm glad that they're wishing me that. But 
But you could imagine. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. From the misinformation board, Choco rations are actually down 20%. Now. Oh, oh, sorry. God. Sorry. Uh, okay. And the war continues. And the war continues. <laughs> Good job, brother but, and sister. But again, you could you could kind of conceivably say like, okay, if I want to try to make the best case possible for something they might do, like I, I might've been able to do that if they had actually rolled out something that was like understandable, that was, you know, actually explained what they were trying to do in a coherent fashion. But what I have to go on is already the stuff that they were doing or the government that is right. things like taking, you know, anybody that they defined as a dissenter or whatnot and try to take away medical licenses right. or, you know, crush them underneath the, the uh, getting canceled from off of social media or any, any of those sorts of things. So all we have to go on is that which their people are already doing through the government or through proxies in order to, you know, squelch speech. Right. So what are we to think about that? Well, I, I mean, no, it's so the best case. I don't, I don't know, but brother, sister, we better hurry. We're going to be late for our two minutes of hate. Oh so. yeah. Okay. That's, that's, that's the, yeah, that's the last two minutes of the show. Don't you remember? Yeah. We, we have that planned. It's not the schedule. Well, it's like, wh why? Uh, I, I, like I said, I'm a little dumbfounded because we have research in institutes. We have think yeah. tanks. We yeah. have private organizations yeah, that fact check and that, you know, they go you know? through this and they say, yes, this is true. No, this is not quite true. Or yeah, and they don't. That you even use the word true it's just evidence supports or whatever mm -hmm. but that's the point is we have a a private uh you know free market option for for dealing with quote unquote mis misinformation and being able to filter through yeah. um facts and and things of that nature like why do we even need a government entity to be you know, overseeing quote unquote misinformation, like what, okay. What about the misinformation that the government puts out like intentionally in yeah, order exactly. to mislead us? What are you like, talking about? Uh, that never well, happens. I mean, and the I birds, guess that's the, the point is that like, because of the, because of the, what we already have available to us, you know, we have, we're in the best, we can be I mean, realistically, one can be about as best informed as ever in history right now. Mm -hmm realistically mm -hmm. yeah and and in some sense I, I always have my uh librarian friend from seminary uh he would always say that you know never has there been a shortage of of information available it's always been a matter of interpretation right and uh and the ability to interpret and think that is the problem not the mm -hmm. lack of information mm -hmm. and so i i mean i i always kind of keep that in the back of my mind you know even when i say things like you know, we can be better informed than we ever have been in history, per se. Right. And, and like, because my, my librarian friend has a point. And, uh, but I guess the point being ultimately in this respect that, like, geez, like, if even if I'm going to try to make the best argument possible for what they could theoretically do that might be good, everything, like you just said, Carrie, is already provided for on the market. Right. Yeah. So I'm just thankful that our new overlords will give us good wise on Newspeak. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and thus, given that we don't have information, the best argument that I can put forward for them is really a pretty bad one that right. they're just going to continue on with the types of policies that had already been in place and what had already been done to, you know, via, via the government and their proxies to squelch speech. And that is exactly way, yeah. the way it's being taken. That's, and that's, and they're yeah. not wrong to do so because that's all they got. So like, you know, screw the government as usual.
So yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. I'm gonna take a little contrarian view on that one, but hold on, okay? Well, con contrarian so, how? Because we have <laughs> the most access to information. They're marginal. They're marginal. Um, we have diminishing marginal utility. So we can easily, with so much information right now, we're at the negative side. That there's so much information that is more difficult to make a judgment than before. Now that's true of the regular person. Now imagine of a centralized, uh, centralized uh, secretary in Washington D.C. trying to figure out what's true and what's not. That's exactly the same problem, but far away from when things happen. So it's even worse. So yes, what some people might actually be looking at is that the fact that a lot of people have a lot of information, but it's totally wrong. Their conclusions don't follow from the premises, which is pretty normal among human beings. That's just the way human beings, uh, uh, the brain is built. The problem is that uh, government agents are no different than the rest of the human beings. So they, they are going to struggle even more because how far they are from where the actual information and knowledge is uh, it's produced. Yeah, you're wrong. You're wrong. My love for Big Brother will bring him truth and will then <laughs> give it to us. Oh, my Big, gosh. Big Brother, New thanks ways. you for your service, Matthew. Yeah. New ways. Um, you know, I'm, distributed. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what this will do to just general freedom of inquiry. Because, you know, what we've seen when the government tries to make policies and such, um, they are the last thing, if they go away at all, um, for example, the mask mandate, um, it's, <laughs> it's not without a whole bunch of, you know, pain and suffering and pulling teeth and everybody knows it's wrong. And we're just trying to get the wheels to turn in, you know, the opposite direction. And a lot of times those things get codified into, into law, either by legislation or precedence. Um, and they're just, they're just false. And if they are going to be the arbiters of truth now, what is that going to do to freedom of inquiry? Yeah. So you're, yeah, I mean, your point is well taken, uh, that the more, the more that the government kind of takes upon itself being the arbiter, the, there, there could be a corresponding decrease in the willingness of, if I'm, if I'm reading you correctly here, there's a corresponding decrease in willingness for people to do, do the work, if you will. Well, there, there might be that. But I would say that there's there would be a decreased willingness to actually try to um, you know say push the Overton window mm -hmm. uh, um, and you know ask questions that are outside of the box because um, that's where that's where d discovery lies is you know what have we what have we not explored yet yeah. and if the government comes along with this mis misinformation board and says well we think the earth is flat. What is that mm -hmm. going to do for, you know, uh, astronomy or, or geology or whatever? I mean, that's a very extreme example, but if that's what they're there for, if they, if they are there to determine what is true, yeah. then what sort of absurdities are going to get in the way of free inquiry? Yeah. So. It's also interesting to consider and this kind of par somewhat parallels what you're saying, but like, there has heretofore for and th th this is overly generalizing the way things are kind of are at least in the united states and when with you can easily come up i'm sure with some stark counter examples 
there's a, been a large swath of American history where, for what it's worth, the government organizations out there, when they're uh, they don't they don't tend to try and set themselves up as arbiters, kind like in they don't try to realistically set themselves up as major arbiters. A lot of times it's at least with the pretense of saying we're going after the uh, the the you know the knowledge that is evident and out there. You know, it's we're going to take this peer-reviewed study if it's something you know they're going to try to deal with science in this particular way, or they're going to you know uh, the information that is being that you can easily ver- that you could easily verify by going to this news source or something to that effect. So there, there's this kind of pretense of if you wanted to, like you don't just have to take our word for it. It's also out there. Now I'm recognized they lie. Yeah, like I, 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 I kind of feel like this is, it's, this is, you know, it, the Department of Homeland Security was created to fight terrorism, and now we're yeah. the terrorists. Right. So, <laughs> so, so with 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 major counterexamples out there, but we've been, you know, but there's the swath of American history that has had that as, as a partial characteristic. Can we can we grant that a little bit? But and and this has helped us on some level because then we can go and we can and we can point out like you guys are lying because mm-hmm. we have there's this there is this kind of premise that is in the background of you still got to go verify mm-hmm. like and even if you know and with some stark counter examples don't act like look i'm i'm anti-state don't don't get me wrong you know and all that but you know so counter examples abound but there's this background assumption that we can go verify this is a point at which, though, that the, the, the script is getting flipped. Right. Is that we are going to be the arbiters now and you're going to listen. Right. You know, sort of stuff. And, and we're seeing that more and more. And the DHS is one of them, right? Yeah. That ever since that, I mean, we could almost say that 9 11 was an inflection point in this regard. Right. And I, now it's just getting more and more egregious and in your face. Well, and we do see from the cultural side of things that there are plenty of people who are willing to take what the state says on face value, not question it, not verify yeah. and just be like, yeah, this is, this is what they said. This is what's true. Yeah. This is what we have to do now. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, you know, so I mean, even the cr- that, sorry, that, that cultural context um, in conjunction with the government wanting to be an arbiter of truth is um disconcerting to say the least yeah i mean this, just as a as a kind of touch point there you know this is even like the crypto punk uh ethos of verify don't trust you know you're, you're mm-hmm. using the word verify kind of reminded me like if this is the thing like yeah the, the crypto ethos is verify don't trust mm-hmm. you know that's a thing and it's it has its roots in this sort of skepticism of uh, of the of the powers that be if you will. Right. Yeah. And if we lose that due to, you know, whatever organization, whether they want to call themselves the, you know, Department of Homeland Security, oh, how benign, or if they're going to be more in our face and call it many truth, you know, then like, that's a, that's a big problem. So that's all kind of this, I hope to give some sort of supporting, supporting information on, uh, or, or supporting uh, leverage to what Carrie was saying earlier about freedom of inquiry and such so yeah <laughs> well 
I, we sort of exhausted that a little bit, Matt, you want to have the last word from our, from our, uh, our sponsors. <laughs> this, this brought to you by George Orwell and Aldous Huxley in yeah. a brave new world, uh, coming to a life near you. We're on to our, our next piece here. And, uh, which is, which did indeed, you know, chronologically just a few days later, uh, you, uh, no, it was like literally an hour after we got off our last, our recording. Yeah. But then, but then following the, the announcement of misinformation governance board, uh, we had a leak of information the net, the following Monday, which was, uh, a, a huge, huge surprise. And it actually, we, we were, uh, actually having an internal LCI meeting, and then uh, we all oh, left. Right. And then within about an hour, everybody realized what was going on. And then our, our text messages internally to our organization just started blowing Lighting up. up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and that was, and that was the, uh, the leak, the leaked uh, Alito uh, brief from the Supreme court suggesting that are we going to see a, a repeal of Roe v. Roe Wade? V. Wade. Yeah. What in the world? The left went apoplectic. Uh, the right didn't know what to do because suddenly yeah. they're all of their donors like, man, if this actually happens, we won't have anything to raise money on anymore. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> we might actually have to start we being fiscally have... conservative again. Oh what? Right. what? What? We don't have our pet issue anymore. Oh, no. Oh, man. And, and that was, so that was last Monday night. Well, okay. You know, a week and a half ago now, but, uh, and a lot has happened since then. Um, you know, Carrie has historically been, uh, quite our, our resident expert in a lot of this stuff. So I'm just going to toss it all to her and let her say everything. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, that's being a little generous. I mean, this is a discussion board. No, I, I, I don't say, I don't say anything, uh, untrue or untoward in this regard. The, uh, the resident, do... the resident patriarchalist objects to you handing the floor <laughs> over to a woman. <laughs> well, uh, to, to wit, I wasn't exactly handing power, but uh, was like, no, I just <laughs> any authority, any authority. I We're not about to have learn anything, authority. so don't worry. Go ahead. Oh wow, jeez, Matt, you're so horrible. All right, well. Uh, after after i uh, hold on we gotta we have to have, we have to go off air for a second while i chide matthew hang on okay, <laughs> okay and we're back yeah so no. <laughs> so uh i just scolded matthew uh mercilessly he knows his place now um but yeah anyway sandwiches yeah, it, we put we put the i'm sorry background retroactively into this uh into this oh, there, video. Yeah, there we go yeah. so, yes uh, yeah. There you go. He's been sorry the whole Everything time. Anything I may or may not say. So, <laughs> no. But anyway, so uh, in all seriousness, though, this was a really interesting development. But it comes with a lot of mixed baggage, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Carrie, why don't you kind of you've read a lot of this, uh, you've done a lot of the research, even to describe like what the potential implications are uh, across various states. Uh, tell us a little bit about this background here and what we can expect. Well, um, just briefly, for those who haven't heard, their uh, Justice Alito's draft opinion um, was what was leaked, and the Supreme Court uh, confirmed its its authenticity a couple days later, Um, along with what we found out was that there were five 
justices that were poised in their own draft opinions to support overturning Roe. And this was um, despite Chief Justice Roberts, who's well known for sort of playing the um, the middle ground on this topic and, um, you know, trying to trying to be the diplomat like he's always he's always uh, been quote unquote pro-life. He's he's been a conservative judge who was appointed by um, uh, George W. Bush. Um, but he's supported Roe because Roe, um, has the, the, the reason why Roe has been supported historically by the court is because of stare decisis or the, the idea of precedence, court precedence. Um, so, you know, the interesting thing about this is that the effort to overturn Roe has been going on for 50 or almost 50 years since 1973. Um, and a lot has changed since then. Um, in 1973, you had uh, state laws on the books that had already criminalized abortion. Um, and now, you know, so a, a, an overturn of Roe towards the beginning would have just resulted in um, you know, reverting to those state bans. But now a lot of those laws, uh, those state level laws have been repealed. Um, you have plenty of states that are much more friendly to abortion who were anticipating a potential overturn of Roe. And so they got their laws on the books such that Roe v. Wade and overturn of Roe won't affect them. Um, but uh, likewise, you have uh, a number of states who not only had uh, pre-Roe laws still on the books, um, but they instituted what's known as a trigger ban which means that um, immediately upon overturning Roe, uh, their state would, would immediately ban abortion it could, and it could be immediately enforced. And so that was, that was in the works. And so it looks like there's about 26 states um, that are poised to ban abortion uh, if Roe is actually overturned. And we're not going to know until they uh, release their final decision in June. Um, What's interesting, though, is if you take a look at the way abortion laws are set up right now, um, basically all of the states that have, um, uh, you know, only permit abortion up to, say, 20 or 22 weeks, uh, which is the absolute earliest um, that, that, you can, that you can ban abortion um, is, you know, post-viability, according to Roe. Um, all of those states also have incredibly heavy regulated um, or regulations on the abortion industry in those states. So they're already very difficult to, um, to obtain. I read something today that something like 90% of U.S. counties don't have abortion clinics in them. Um, so if Roe v. Wade is overturned, you know, you've got all these pro-lifers who are like, yes, finally, this is what we've been waiting for for almost 50 years. But not, not a whole lot is going to change. Um, and that's, I mean, at least as far as the practice of abortion, not a whole lot is going to change. I think the, the um, concerning thing at this point is how are they going to enforce this, um, especially with the invention of um, the abortion pill um, and the availability of that. Uh, the fact that it's available by telehealth and even 
mail from other countries. Other countries are willing to, to ship them into the United States. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the question then becomes what, what is enforcement going to look like? And I think from a libertarian yeah. perspective, we need to be really cautious and not call that a win. Um, I will say, I absolutely believe that Roe v. Wade should be overturned. Um, and not just because it permits um, abortion up to viability, but because it's also bad for women. It subjects a woman's liberty interest in pregnancy over her body. Uh, it subjects that to state interest first, and that's a problem in and of itself. So, and not just women, but men too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Birthing people. Birthing What's a, people. <laughs> What's a man? I'm not a biologist. Yeah, really. whatever. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because as be before we went on here, the Senate actually had a vote. Uh, that was trying to codify abortion into federal law, and it failed, thankfully, um, 51 to 49. And Kamala Harris had to uh, actually read out the fact that the motion failed, and it was just yeah, one of those poetic. delicious moments that you're like, mm, that's I would beautiful. like to, I would like to watch that moment. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, they weren't even expecting that did, that would pass. Did she um, sound like the motion fails? It's <laughs> very, very just like in the motion fail. <laughs> I just it fails. It fails. I just want to hear like in that deepest bass tone that she has. Well, <laughs> it's interesting that they. <laughs> I, it's interesting that they even tried because uh, I think it was Chuck Schumer. Uh, no, it was it was Bernie Sanders who said that he knew that they didn't have the votes in the Senate to actually pass that. They needed a two thirds majority, not just a simple majority. And so- Oh, seriously? Yeah. They knew oh, it I thought they just pass. needed a simple. Oh, okay. Um, wow. So it yeah. really failed. <laughs> yeah, it really, it, failed. It really yeah. failed. Um, and what's interesting about that, I was uh, listening to um, Reason Magazine's little take on what uh, something about, you know, whether or not abortion is a constitutional right. One of the things that was mentioned in that video um, is that uh, no attempt, like after the, the Supreme Court renders its, its opinion, um, that's going to be the new law of the land, and it's going mm -hmm. to effectively remove Congress's ability to um, make it a federal issue. And it has to do with the fact that Congress doesn't interpret the Constitution, uh, the, the Supreme Court does. So um, that's what that's what this, uh, and I forget his, his so, name, the scholar. Uh, um, Josh Blackman on that. Thank right. you, Josh yeah. Blackman. So that's that's interesting. Um, that interesting. Yeah. So the, okay, Ballsy of the court. Well, <laughs> that's also that. Okay, so that you know, I didn't catch that because I listened to it. Although I was listening to it on like fast forward speed, you know. Yeah. So I, yeah. I missed it. I missed that particular point. Uh, but when you say it that way, that brings to mind that one of Ron Paul's prescient points that he's harped about for eons has been that, look, if you, I mean, if you really care about this conservatives, then what you do is you deal with it at the congressional level, actually pass the dadgum bill. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, cause that's, that's the purview of the legislature to do. So what is Blackman saying that, that this now that with Roe in place as the law of the land, it does become Congress's interest to then or a bill purview to uh legislate right but it, if 
but then without it being on the books as the law of the land that they can't so what <clears throat> that's what, interesting according that's interesting. according to and this is based on um blackman's reading of um josh blackman so not the blackman from the supreme court of roe v wade but yeah. um <clears throat> Uh, this is based on Blackman's reading of Justice Alito's uh, draft opinion. Okay. Um, because in that opinion, and if the other five um, or the other four who are in favor of overturning Roe um, share this yeah. sentiment, yeah, if they share the sentiment, what the argument is, is that the Constitution doesn't actually um, protect a right to abortion. And so not only are they overturning Roe, if, if that's what indeed happens in June, but according to this draft opinion, they're going to say it's not in the constitution. Therefore it's not a constitutionally protected, right? Oh, and okay. So that I'm sorry. I, I hate to interrupt, but this does kind of bring into focus then. Cause I listened to that thing again. I, li I listened to that discussion mm -hmm. and something that was interesting was the, the discussion, the, the internal discussion there about the importance of the 14th amendment in this mm -hmm. regard. Mm -hmm. uh about um well and and to to wit you know if it is included as part of 14th amendment protection then it becomes legislatable otherwise right. no it's not so now i'm kind of getting the the gist yeah. of it all okay yeah so um you know prior oh. prior to this whole thing um you know from from 1973 onward congress could have written laws um mm -hmm. you know to to that effect um, but now what they're saying is if, if the, um, if the majority opinion written, uh, is an argument that the constitution does not protect a right to abortion, then Congress cannot actually make a law saying that the constitution protects a right to abortion. Yeah. That's okay. the argument. Yeah. This could okay. have actually really sweeping ramifications for things like even religious liberty. And, mm -hmm. and have a lot of constitutional aspects to it that would actually, I think, be pretty positive uh, as an end result. Well, you know, as positive as things can be. But that sounds that sounds pretty fascinating, actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah, huh. I'm I'm a little skeptical um, and I cannot remember the other in the the other part of the conversation they had on this, but it has to do with unenumerated rights. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Justice Alito had alluded to um you know things like drug use not being a right um so there is some uh there was some trepidation on the part of blackman who's you know uh at, at least it sounded like he was probably in favor of uh you know legalizing drugs that potentially this uh this decision will create a precedence that says you don't actually have a right to um, you know, use marijuana or to try experimental drugs or, or whatever. So constitutionally you wouldn't, right? I mean, mm -hmm. well, it's not, it's not, you wouldn't. but that would push it back to decriminalization like rather than a constitutional right. Right. So yeah. they're, they were trying to, Blackman was trying to draw a distinction between, um, actual rights and just what were, you know, what, yeah, they, what we what we can actually do, like what actions we can take. This is where Blackman somewhat is self-deprecating in his own way about his uh, poor libertarianness in this regard. Mm -hmm. But really, what he's alluding to, I think, is less less uh, that and more in the realm of 
you know, sometimes we do get a little confused uh, in our language on how we talk about rights. Now, from, you know, because this is, I mean, from the natural rights point of view, there's something different there when we just talk about natural rights versus, you know, that which is enumerated versus unenumerated constitutionally in the American system. Okay. Right. And, and I think that's kind of what he was getting at yeah. is that like, because of those distinctive features. He was saying recognized rights. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, the, and so you don't have a, you may have a right to smoke marijuana or something like that in, in as much as you have a natural, natural right, right. It, yeah. but that is different than saying I have an unenumerated right constitutionally to do it right now that is so I see. they use the same word right mm -hmm. but not in his in his construction at least this is the way I'm interpreting Blackman here so yeah if if Josh Blackman ever deigns to watch this episode which he probably won't uh but <laughs> you know my, I hope I'm interpreting you correctly Josh uh, you can feel free to come contact me. We'll have a great discussion on it. Uh, you know, I don't think that that's the way he's trying to construct in his, uh, well, in his construction of rights, he's de delineating these types of things together. So it's not a position of permission, Yeah. but a, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the summary is that the anti-federalists were right all along. The doy. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, anti-federalists were always right, and nobody yeah. wanted to listen. But there we are. Yeah, two right. years later. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of, and that was, the, and again, you know, we, we keep referring back to this discussion, and it's and it's quite good, uh, even though you know, like Nick Gillespie, you know, we respect him very much, but he is very pro-choice. Um, you know, and and they had he and Josh, who Josh, uh, it seems to be fairly ensconced in a in a pro-life position, at least overall. Uh, at least so it appears, and he, appre and he appreciates Alito's uh, perspective on this, so it seems. And uh, but it does seem that you know they they differ a little bit in their perspectives on it. Um, but the discussion is very good in as much as it is mm -hmm. very informative and uh, more thorough than what we're trying to give here, as we're just trying to inform on the high level basics and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but we recommend it. But we love reason. Go team. You know, for, <laughs> you know, whatever. All right. Well, is there any any other uh, perspectives you guys want to offer, Matt, Aaron? I don't know. Say or sorry, Aaron. Yeah. I mean Matthew. Yeah. Oh. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Sorry for I'm trying to. That always uh, says nice things. Come on. <laughs> Rule always. women's bodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, I and if there's a if there's nothing else you guys want to add, uh, I think we will probably move on uh, and probably kind of close out here. Uh, any anything else you want to to want to throw out to our our viewers and listeners here before we before we conclude, guys? The season finale for Picard was dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hot take. Hot take. Just, you heard it here first. You know, just just the season finale. Well, two thirds of the show was dumb. Yeah, so. okay. at least. Yeah. <laughs> Our, uh, and moving on to TV pop culture no. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing to do with libertarianism no, just well, i don't know i mean it, uh, you, but the whole, the whole idea of like the mirror darkly stuff that uh, star trek has always done and it's been very interesting and they were trying to you know pull that back through a time jump i thought that was very fascinating great premise and then I, they just went stupid with it I, actually yeah. let me let me give you let me give you because this actually is somewhat liberty related uh as the hot take out of picard season two and unfortunately i'm i will spoil so can i can i spoiler. just say spoiler alert spoiler yes. alert spoiler alert okay 
so there there are Borg in season two of Picard. Oh, and if you're crap. if you are yeah so we've we've so that that's the one thing i mean everybody kind of knew that was going to be the case if you even if you were you know whatever Dust and for all of us for all of us hardcore trek fans uh we all know the following that the borg are one of two uh primary you know say dialectical enemies set up in the uh in star trek the next generation period do you yeah. like that dialectical enemies? No, I just realized where you're going with this, and you're right. And now I hate it even more. Yeah, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh um, my word! Yeah. So, the season two of Picard actually actually ruins the Borg. It does, Borg. and and it gets worse because the the whole thing about the Borg in Star Trek is that they represent kind of the antithesis of the Federation. Now we all know, even as libertarians, that like you know, Star Trek, we may love it, but we recognize it like okay, it's it's this sort of pseudo socialist post scarcity future. The best thing we could say about it is that like okay, well, it's individualist at least, and it it represents they they try to represent kind of a you know kind of a, a a fast forward version of democratic values and so on and so forth. They have a president of the federation and all that, um, but they're philosophical but, too. Like but they deal with. Yeah, they, they dealt with really interesting issues and that, that's true. And, but but yeah. again, I'm setting up kind of the the philosophical dialogue. Oh, I see. Here, okay. Okay. I'll, so I'll the Federation that. is individualistic. They're post scarcity individualists essentially. Like we can mm-hmm. like, let's at our best we can kind of say that. Yeah. The Borg are the opposite. That wouldn't matter. Yeah, but the the Borg are the the exact opposite. They're like the, the and that is what makes them so villainous is that they yeah. are pure like the the pure collectivist. Mm-hmm. non-individualist that right. is the entire point of them but what picard season two does is it tries to literally rehabilitate the board <laughs> no at yeah. the, yes to where oh, at the end man. at the end and i'm uh, without getting uh, the the spoiler too far there's essentially this move toward the creation of a and this is a quote a kindler gentler borg yeah what to where instead <laughs> i don't know of, why i didn't think of this it, oh it, my god and, and this is why i almost didn't have a television at the end of this series um because i just about wanted to punch out a screen and oh my i haven't god. heard anybody too i, I have looked at I've, I've watched some criticism of the of the show overall you know post this you know because I, I like to get some different perspectives and, and sure. listen to what people are saying and i haven't heard anybody say this yet uh, I mean, they're just, they're just like, I don't like this Borg idea. It's like, okay. Hot take. You're having the first but, hot take here about this issue. But yeah, but I, I am, this is the, maybe the most disturbing thing for me, at least out of it, beside the fact that, so they basically ruined the significance of the Borg entirely. And it wow. just made it really, it really kind of on some level uh, kind of represents in a sense, cultural milieu that we live in wow and i'm and it just made me very like angry about it yeah they Um, basically the the borg are the worst parts of communism and they've just made them into this 
well, now we're going to be nicer and it's it's going to work out well and people are going to want to join the Borg now. We're oh, not yeah. going to have to take them over. We're just going to be yeah. there and they're well, going to be like, and, oh, and I want to be a part of the, the Borg. It's going to be great. And it's under the guise oh, yeah, of you want to, like, maybe what we should do is we can go out and we should invite people in. We'll and, invite and we should, people in there. Yeah, yeah. and we, we could invite people in and, and, and provide them a sense of community and belonging and to get the loan. <laughs> the people who, who always felt like outsiders, like, oh my gosh. Here's the other thing, though, that I've always oh. loved about Star Trek, though, is that whenever there is like a a bureaucratic crap up, you know, it's always the higher ups. It's like the admirals yeah. and the and and the people who are in charge of Starfleet and all the that that you find the corruption and the the lone gunner captain's gonna shoot it out and figure it out and set it right again. You know, put them on the right mm -hmm. path. This whole thing at the end. Picard himself even says, "Give your in, give your ship's authority over to the queen." Well, that's that. Don't 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 spoil all of that yet. Sorry, I mean, I'm just saying. That's that's, that's <laughs> give like it a, over to the ultimate a, enemy there. Well, I mean, presume it's con. Oh it's it is very confused. We already gave spoiler warnings. But that's warnings. like that's like you know that's that's techno babble at that point, and let's just not even we don't have to worry about. I, I'm more concerned with like the philosophical like i think that is a of it all i don't well it maybe it's representative but i think that's just the logical conclusion of what they did you know it's, and it's, the logic because see the other piece that's there like in you know you were like what what do they normally do like historically in trek what you do is you set up these you set up the philosophical problem and then you have debates mm -hmm. like this literally happens in the shows right yeah, oh, yeah. in the yeah. next generation in particular you get this you know like, i mean is we data didn't know human. Yeah, we didn't know yeah. that even at the time when we were watching, you know, the next generation in the early 90s that on some level they were they were trying to introduce you to some like here are some problems with, you know, with sexuality that you might not have considered or here are some problems with, you know, uh, with individualism or or collectivism or various things like that you might not have thought about and then they might or actually war, debate or, yeah, or, yeah, various yeah. things, right? That you might not have thought about. And so then they might actually like kind of debate both sides this yeah. happens in the show and it gets weird and sometimes you don't know what to feel about it by the end because yeah. it's just like oh i don't know i like this guy i like this guy too what's going on but it made you think and the problem with even the way they set this up is like maybe you could have rehabilitated the borg in a slightly better way but it was just like it was just this kind of like we start off this conversation and suddenly we're now to the point of being like oh yeah this is fine now Let's all nod our heads and yeah. be great. Was it was this all based on on the fact that Hugh and Seven of Nine had individuated themselves from the Borg and people liked them, and so now they felt sorry for the Borg? I'm just taking a wild guess. I didn't see season two. Uh, you're, you're I'm gonna give you a fifteen percent on that one. Oh, you're, nuts! You're you're just like yeah. you've got a hint of truth there, and then you're off. But okay. fair enough. I didn't see but, season two. So. There was yeah. a there was, I would say, a surprise guest star. Oh, that um, don't even don't do it. Don't that was don't. just no, it was, no. It was so forced and so canned. Yeah. Once again, was, you just want to punch a screen. Yeah. Is it LaForge? Really no. No. We'll, no, no, no we're not you. talking. I'll not, not, I'll no, tell you after no, okay, no, we'll, we'll at least tell me all some... the spoilers when we're done. We'll, we'll, we're sure yeah, I'm never going to watch it. But we're yeah, we can't we can't we're in good conscience put that up. And Aaron doesn't care anymore. He's he's given up. But, but that's my that's my hot take. Hey, let's end this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
on that note, now that we've screwed up Star Trek, <laughs> yeah, hey, we sorry, didn't do it. People. We yeah, didn't screw it. Kurtzman! Yeah, I didn't understand <laughs> anything Norman said. Just so you know. Yeah, but Nothing that's that's 90% of the time anyway. And you're better for it. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. All Aaron, right. Aaron, you were my favorite on Star Trek. Nope, nothing at all. We're playing football. <laughs> and next week we dissect what <laughs> and next week we dissect more sci-fi. If you actually actually people, if you like us talking about pop culture phenomena and this sort of stuff, let us know because we would do it. <laughs> I, I hear there's I hear there's some really good libertarian themed sci-fi that we maybe we should maybe we should check out. That oh, I can be, I can wax fun. eloquent on all sorts of crazy stuff, but it used you know, to be Star Wars, but then pff. J.J. Yeah. Abrams. Yeah, yeah that's that's not in my head canon anymore. No. <laughs> well, how about we talk about how anarcho-capitalism is going to look like? Uh, yeah, we could do that next week on <laughs> Good News, Bad News. <laughs> no, actually, well, uh, you guys the, are watching sci-fi. I'm watching all this. I'm reading all this stuff. Okay. Well, actually, <laughs> do a, let me do a little shout out before we go, and that's that. Um, uh, we have an upcoming podcast with a guy. Uh, and this is in LC. Uh, an LCI podcast with a guy named Chris Borer who wrote a book called The Ethics of Anarcho-Capitalism, uh, which I think is fantastic, uh, by the way. It's a great little book. I'm giving him a shout out because I actually was supposed to be on the podcast with Doug doing it, and that was supposed to be last Tuesday, and I got so sick. Well, that was yeah. the worst day, at least. I, I got sick with COVID, and uh, my last Tuesday felt really really bad so i had to i had to call in sick for that podcast unfortunately so but it is it, chris is a is a cool guy and has written a really great book i highly recommend it uh maybe we'll talk about it sometime maybe even here maybe even here but check it out I never know hey check out our book we have a book too faith seeking freedom oh yeah go read it <laughs> hey but so as a final as a final word out uh thanks for thanks for listening thanks for watching again like and subscribe we really appreciate you guys and let us know what you think email us at podcast at libertarianchristians.com if you want to let us know what you're thinking and ask a question or tell us what you like what you don't like we're trying to all do us all sorts of different stuff in this show and so we appreciate you listening we will catch you next time